Welcome to the Ogletree Deacons podcast, a brief discussion of compelling legal issues and practical insights. Please note that the information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be, nor should it be construed as legal advice. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or through your favorite podcast service. Please consider rating and reviewing so that we may continue to provide the content that covers your needs. Please enjoy the program. Welcome, everyone, to our episode on I-9 changes, updates, and proposed rulemaking from DHS. My name is Joey Fong. I'm an immigration associate here in Atlanta, Georgia. We also have Carrie Kosky. Um, She is a shareholder in Denver, Colorado. Hello, everybody. So today we're going to talk about the changes in the I-9 world. So we have the end of the remote verification, the proposed rulemaking um, regarding the alternative verification options and proposed I-9 form changes. So Carrie, for our audience who are not familiar with the topic, can you give us a quick background on I-9 and the various changes that DHS has implemented since the pandemic? Sure, absolutely. Thanks, Joey. Um, so the uh, Employment Eligibility Verification came out of Immigration Reform and Control Act in 1986, or IRCA. Um, and that law uh, placed the burden on employers uh, to verify that their workers are authorized to work in the United States. So employers have to police this. And if they don't police it, then they're subject to pretty serious civil and criminal penalties um, if there are violations, if they're not doing their duty to ensure that their workers are uh, lawfully able to work in the United States. And this also protects the worker um, from abuse and discrimination. Uh, The highest penalty against uh, a company for noncompliance included uh, criminal forfeiture uh, amounted to $95 million dollars. Um, so not only are employers subject to, to civil penalties, but they're also subject to criminal penalties. And that $95 million penalty, I believe, was uh, levied earlier this year or last year. Um, so it's it's very serious. Uh, prior to the pandemic, employers were required to conduct in-person verification. Um, so to physically inspect work authorization documents and identity documents to ensure that their workers were lawfully able to accept employment. And this was done normally like either through HR or uh, company leadership um, or an authorized representative remote that was remote. So um, authorized representatives helping to complete Section 2 of an I-9 um, have really always been an option. And, and during the pandemic, we saw it more and more. Um, then due to, due to COVID-19 and various quarantine measures, DHS actually relaxed that in-person verification. So, you know, people were not reporting to work. They could not report to work even if they were onboarding. So there was really no way for, for HR to verify their work authorization. Um, and DHS recognized this and actually started to allow uh, verification of work authorization documents remotely and virtually. So I think virtually is the key to this flexibility um, and this temporary rule. Uh, so through video links, fax, or email, employers could then review work authorization documents and then collect copies and then you know verify physically later on. Um, a lot of employers chose the old-fashioned uh, authorized representative to help with Section 2 as well. Um, 
And it's been it's been a necessity uh, during COVID-19 and employers have adopted to this remote verification and, and it's still used a lot now. Yeah, and I remember when it first started, um, when the new relaxed policy came out, there was a lot of confusion, but I really do think a lot of the employers really embraced it and really grew to love it over time. So there have been multiple extensions on this remote verification policy, Um, and the current end day is October 31st. Do you think USCIS is going to extend it again, or do you think this will be the last time? This most recent extension through October 31st, I think, was the longest extension. Uh, it had been done on 60-day increments, and this one was was longer, I believe. And I think it was primarily done to give employers the opportunity to shore up loose ends, to, so to start doing sort of the, the, the back-end uh, physical verification and updating the I-9s. Um, there's there's uh, a lot of chatter out there, you know, webinars and DHS uh, announcements that indicate that in-person verification will be required uh, starting on November 1st. Uh, also, you know, there are other signals, including the, the DHS proposed rule uh, that was published, I believe, last week or the week before, um, soliciting feedback on potentially making remote verification and maybe even virtual verification permanent um, for some employers. It may not apply to all employers. So I think that the temporary flexibility will probably conclude on October 31st, but there may be additional opportunities for remote verification and maybe even virtual verification for uh, some employers. Hmm. So what do you think employers should do to prepare? Because a lot of the employees are still in remote work arrangement. And in fact, a lot of the, you know, remote hires have never even, you know, visited the office um, or the employer at this point. I know. I, we've, we've really changed the way that, that, that we onboard, that we recruit. I mean, employees now expect to work remotely. Uh, and so that doesn't mean that there aren't compliance rules that need to be adhered to. Uh, and so employers should really plan uh, for this policy, the, these temporary rules to end on October 31st. And, you know, what's required is just physically inspecting those uh, employment authorization documents and ID documents that were virtually accepted previously. And note that that employers really, uh, under the flexibility rules, could only avail themselves to virtual verification if their remote work policy was caused by COVID-19, which was the case in March, April, May, June of 2020. Um, But remote work policies these days have many different causes, um, and COVID-19 might not be the primary one uh, anymore. That leads to kind of like the next question. What about employees that were hired during, you know, this relaxed policy and, you know, were verified virtually? Um, So do they need to be re-verified again um, once the policy ends? Correct. Yeah, they they do need to be verified physically. So it's not uh, it's kind of like being verified again, but actually it's just the employer inspecting physically inspecting their work authorization documents. So once complete. So once normal operations resume, the uh, verification has to be done within three days. And that's why a lot of employers started doing this, you know, 
months, years ago, when they returned to normal operations. If employers haven't uh, updated the I-9 with physical inspection of work authorization documents, they have to do it by November 3rd. Um, so if hundreds of employees were onboarded through virtual verification uh, and it, they, their I-9s haven't been updated yet with physical inspection of their documents, employers may be in a big scramble uh, to get that done by November 3rd. Yeah, so it's it's kind of I guess I guess good that everybody is returning back to the office and be able to have these in-person meetings and whatnot, but the remote verification part, you know, just has been just so convenient for employers. Um, but I guess from what we've been saying is that to be safe and just from the efficiency and logistical standpoint, um, employers just continue to find ways to um, continue the I-9 compliance and, and not wait for USAS to make any sudden announcement or expect it to be extended. Right. I mean, we know it ends on October 31st, and mm-hmm. I, I think that we really can't expect it for to be extended. Mm-hmm. And again, because the remote verification or virtual verification policy has, it, you know, the, the rule is that it's cause of the employer's remote verification policy is COVID-19. You know, employers should ask themselves, is our virtual verification policy now caused by COVID-19 or is it more mm-hmm. of a convenience? Um, and if it's more of a convenience, uh, th- they should really look at their compliance and start um, actioning toward compliance. Right, right. Well, so this is a good segue to our next topic, which is the proposed rulemaking from DHS on potential alternatives to the in-person verification. So DHS, you know, it's realizing that, you know, the current labor force is changing, right? A lot of employers are adapting to this remote telework arrangement. And so DHS is just kind of looking into different ways to examine I-9 documents. Um, And so with this proposed rule, and to really just clarify, it doesn't actually create any alternative options just yet, but rather it's intended to create the framework so that the agency can explore options and to conduct pilot programs. And also, more importantly, is to just solicit public feedback, you know, from employers and employees and anybody that's, you know, affected Right. Yeah. yeah. It's suggest. It's it's suggestive, right? It's suggesting um, potential permanent virtual verification or remote onboarding I nine compliance flexibility um, for for certain employers. DHS is telling us that it recognizes that we just went through a pandemic um, and workforces are remote and continue to be remote. And certain certain comp- employers uh, could continue to benefit from, from, from remote verification because they've implemented policies and procedures also to ensure compliance. Mm, that's right. And, and in the proposed rule, they did actually mention that they are looking into making remote verification process, you know, a permanent option, which you know, which is a repeated and, and a repeated point from, you know, DHS is that they really, really want the public to comment on the effect of this potential change and the feasibility of this change. And, you know, I definitely think it's a welcome change from, you know, DHS from employers pers- perspective, wouldn't you think? Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. And I do think that uh, any changes will have limitations, um, like 
remote or virtual verification may be available for E-Verify users because they're taking that additional compliance step and they already have to have on, on file photocopies of um, photo IDs. And so, you know, E-Verify users would be the perfect group of employers to kind of test out permanent or ongoing virtual verification flexibility. Um, another suggestion in the proposed rule is to document retention requirements. Mm -hmm. um, so where employers are considering to like retain copies of documents uh, after doing video, fax or email. And again, this aligns with E-Verify users because they're already retaining photocopies of documents. And retention of photocopies of documents is not currently a requirement um, for basic I-9 compliance, although many employers choose to do it. Um, however, if, if DHS allows employers to go to virtual verification, it probably will start requiring photocopies. Uh, and, and DHS is looking at how alternative options might impact also fraudulent document detection. I think that's the primary concern. Um, and then also anti-discrimination. I mean, we don't want to open the floodgates to, you know, fraudsters leveraging virtual verification, you know, in, in, in their pursuits. Um, and we also don't want to cause uh, more discrimination um, and, and invite discrimination in connection with using virtual verification. So there are a lot of considerations. And so I think employers really should uh, consider submitting comments as solicited by the proposed mm -hmm. rule because it will allow DHS to, to understand what those concerns are and then respond to that and their and their rulemaking. Um, you know, DHS is interested in a cost benefit uh, aspect of the change, how it's going to impact the avoid avoidance of discrimination in the process, um, protecting against fraud, protecting privacy interests. Um, and it's also considering the, the parameters of um, employers that could use it. So again, I mean, I really think that in the proposed rule, uh, E-Verify users could be this pilot group of employers that are permitted to do virtual verification on an ongoing basis. So I guess what you're saying, you know, in the meantime, with all these kind of proposed rules and options kind of flying around in the air, that for employers and employees that right now at this moment, they really should participate in the notice and comment period and make any kind of suggestions and insights that they, they you know, could foresee with how, you know, these rules will impact um, their, their everyday lives and also the I-9 compliance portion of it. Exactly. Because DHS, you know, it doesn't know what it doesn't know. And so employers submitting comments, you know, informs DHS on how to do this. And so it can tweak the process and hopefully make it more convenient, more compliant, more feasible. Um, and, you know, it, it's considering the impacts of uh, how this is going to be potentially a, um, a burden on employers, but then also a benefit. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's exactly right. Right. Yeah, so I just a lot to consider. Um, and so, I mean, I personally can't wait until they publish the alternatives. I really want to see how they're going to implement these different options. And no, you know, isn't it interesting? It's like, <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like this new, it's like 
DHS is listening to to our suggestions and actually putting forth, you know, um, pilot programs to to make things easier for employers and employees, which is which is such a welcome change. I know, and permanent ver- uh, virtual verification would be kind of a revolution. I mean, it's a, it's a absolutely from from you know decades of of, of clunky physical inspection of verification of work authorization documents. Mm-hmm. So it is it is kind of exciting. It is. It is exciting. Um, so yeah, can't wait to see what they have, um, you know, in the works for us. Um, but so on a final note, I did want to talk a little bit about um, the form changes um, to, to I-9 form. Um, the comment period actually just ended earlier in August. And a lot of the different comments made by the public, um, you know, some of them co- talked about, you know, we really need to shorten the I-9 form to just one page. It's getting too long. Um, and actually, back to what we were saying, a lot of the comments were essentially pleading <laughs> um, the agency to make remote verification a permanent option. Um, and so Evidently, um, DHS is already taking a step into making that um, a potential alternative. Um, But I did want to kind of focus on the suggestions made by Ayla. So they actually submitted an an 11-page comment basically outlining the various suggestions um, that should be made to the form. So one of the ones, um, one of the suggestions that I thought was really helpful um, that they mentioned is to include checkboxes in the additional information field in section two of the form. So basically, Ayla is suggesting that we should add very specific information, um, you know, relating to kind of the common information that you would put in that field, such as, you know, automatic extension, optional tracking details, you know, ED categories, um, e-verify details, the, you know, information about the use of receipts. Um, and really, the whole goal is to hopefully declutter um, the information that we put in, you know, in the form and also hopefully to just streamline some type of annotation for, you know, information that's commonly used in that field. So, Carrie, which one of the ALA suggestions do you like or do you have, you know, some type of suggestion that you personally want to see implemented on the new form? Yeah, sure. And and for those who, who are wondering what AILA is, it's the American Immigration Lawyers Association. Um, and I, I love it. It's the immigration bar. You know, I've been a member since I was a law student, actually. Um, Me too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's great. And, you know, our, um, you know, some of the attorneys here participated in submitting comments uh, in connection with uh, the revision of the I-9 form. Um, and I like all of their of their recommendations and changes. I mean, the, the form, of course, it can be improved. Um, and I want to point out that the current expiration date of the I-9 form is October 31st. Um, and they may, you know, they may extend it uh, with no changes for a little while. But I think that uh, we are getting ready for um a a substantial revision to the I-9 form. If it's not on November 1st, it'll probably be, you know, shortly thereafter. Um, You know, they may just extend the current version for a while, but maybe on November 1st, we'll have a completely different form. 
it's interesting that the expiration date aligns with the temporary flexibility uh, rule for virtual mm-hmm. verification uh, expiration. So we might see some some major changes potentially with an eye toward remote verification. Um, and the main proposed changes that I think are noteworthy are eliminating um, the need to put in N slash A uh, to a field that doesn't apply. Um, you know, that's kind of a, if, if it doesn't apply, it doesn't apply. Not putting an NA in there, you know, you should be uh, penalized or dinged for that. Um, it would be amazing for DHS to make the I-9 form one page again. It's now two. Um, you know, I, I do want to just mention that a lot of employers use I-9 software, so have mm-hmm. vendors that help them complete I-9s. And so the length of the form, I'm not, I, I don't think that employers really are aware that it's a two-page form because they're just clicking through oftentimes on, on their computers and so are people that they're onboarding. Um, and, you know, I9, I9 software has glitches. So uh, if the form does change, employers just should, you know, reach out to their vendors and say, hi, hey, have you updated the I9 form? Are we using the current form? And so maybe make that a, a task to do mm-hmm. in early November. Um, you know, the re-verification section on uh, the form is on page two, and, and there's a proposal to make that an additional, like an addendum, so it doesn't automatically on the form. Um, and then updating acceptable documents to include the C documents that just indicate work authorization. So there have been some other, we won't get into the details, but some additional work authorized status for visa holders, um, particularly for spouses of a principal, of a principal employees. So uh, updating that would be nice. Um, a retention period calculator uh, to, to tell employers when to purge the I-9 and having that directly on the nine, I think is genius. And then, you know, another way to improve the form potentially could be to somehow reduce the likelihood of over-documentation, you know, put put a warning or some type of reminder to employers that they really should not be asking for A, B, and C documents, just, just the appropriate A or the B and C combination. So it seems like November, it's going to be a big month for the I-9 world, it seems, with the new forms. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely going to be paying attention and we'll probably have lots of guidance and and, and memorandums interpreting any mm-hmm. developments, um, you know, unless DHS buys more time and it could. If it's not ready to publish new rules or publish a new I-9, it may just, you know, extend for a temporary period of time until it can get these things in place. My guess is they're probably going to spend November and December just trying to sort through all the comments and go through the potential options that they could kind of deploy. And then I'm guessing maybe in January, February, that's when they'll probably publish some kind of pilot program to try out these new um, we options. <laughs> oh yeah, let's bet, and and we'll we'll just like rendezvous and we'll come back and touch base in like November and January and see you know what they There's come up with. Immigration rulemaking. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think we will see changes. Um, the question is 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 when if it'll be in November or later. Yeah, well, with there's a lot of happening in the I-9 world, and all of it seems like we're just going into a really, really good direction um, in terms of making life a lot easier, simpler, and more convenient for employers and employees. So, you know, we'll continue to monitor any changes, and, you know, I'm going to remember the bet. I, I'm going to bet that in January, January, February, they're going to push out something great oh and exciting. 
I'm not, I, I'm not that optimistic. <laughs> I was still relatively new in the field, so I'm going to have high hopes. I'm going to keep that. Certain because it could be, it could be November 1st. I know that uh, DHS can be unpredictable, you know, end with that. There, there's not a lot of predictability <laughs> to when things happen. Right, right, right. Well, and we'll definitely monitor and, you know, we'll definitely update you guys once we find out more. Um, You know, we'll definitely hope that DHS can make remote verification a permanent option for everyone. And so I think this is it for us today. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, Carrie, do you have any final words for the crowd? No, thank you so much, Joey. This was really, really nice. And and good luck, everybody, with... um, uh, updating section two of your I-9 forms uh, with with physical examination of those work authorization documents. Thank you, everyone. Goodbye. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us on the Ogletree Deacons podcast. You can subscribe to our podcasts on Apple Podcasts or through your favorite podcast service please consider rating and reviewing so that we may continue to provide the content that covers your needs. And remember, the information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as legal advice.